0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The light shines on us today from Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia, chapter 3. We've gone through the great chapter of chapter 2, where we often think through Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then often we will go to the end of chapter 3, where we will talk about uh, that we are one in Christ, male or female, Jew or Greek, all of these things. But there's a part in between there that we're going to be digging into this morning, which is all gift. What a joy to be with you today. Thank you for tuning us in on worldwide kfuo christ for you anytime anywhere i'm your host brady finner and pastor of messiah lutheran church in sartell minnesota a special thanks this morning to lutheran heritage foundation for your support of thy strong word visit lhfmissions.org for more information lhfmissions.org we have with us today pastor john lukumski who is co-host of wrestling with the basics on kfuo and i think. You said today, Pastor Lekomski, that you are excited that it is just as cold in the south as it is in Minnesota. Welcome <laughs> to Thy Strong Word.
1: Well, well, Brady, actually excited wouldn't be the word, <laughs> but I can imagine, knowing what it's like here in the St. Louis area, I can't imagine, rather, what it must be like up there outside of St. Cloud. Because I well, know it's cold in Minnesota, so you guys must really be freezing today.
0: It it is cold. I told people on Sunday morning, uh, you know, there's always hope, and the hope is that I drove, got in my car, started driving away, and the car said it was negative 18, um, oh, which my. actually, if you know, in cars they don't. It's usually a little bit warmer than what the than what it really is. And by the time yeah. I got to church, which is only a mile and a half. It was negative sixteen, so things were looking up <laughs> on Sunday morning. So
1: and and, so, and, and so, people people oops, ne- Brady, people need to understand that when you say negative sixteen, you're not talking about wind chill. You're no. talking about actual temperature. See, we that's hard for us to comprehend here <laughs> yes. in yes. the St. Louis area. But yes, that's the honest to God truth. I've been there. I've seen that. I've felt it. (laughs)
0: You've seen it. You've felt it. Yeah, exactly. You've been there and you've conquered and you're still with us. So, and so (laughs) am I. So, uh, pastor Lukomsky, any, any ministry highlights for you wrestling the basics or what's all happening for you?
1: Uh, Well, actually, being retired, no, I don't have a lot of highlights, Uh, uh, but we we do hope people listen to us on on, uh, Wednesday afternoons and Saturday mornings, because Pastor Matt Clark and I have a good time on Wrestling with the Basics, so thank you for uh, giving me the chance to mention that, yeah.
0: Absolutely. No, it is a joy, and and Matt, uh, Pastor Clark and I started at Concordia, Nebraska together, so... Um, he was I know telling Pastor me that. Clark very yeah, well. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That, I actually have good. a really good yeah. story, which I want to only share with him because you know we started together and have some u- unique uh, stories that we all have to share. Good ones, good ones <laughs> that would be appropriate for the um, for the radio. But I look forward to having him on the show and uh, being able to share that with our listeners. But anyways. That's what's happening today. Reminder, as we uh, dig into today, I wanted to do two things. First of all, that if you have any questions concerning our text, which is Galatians 3, verses 11, uh, 10 through 29, to send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. But also, Pastor Lekumsky, I want to try something different today with our listeners. And I wanted to find out, what are you doing when you are listening? Um, what What's going on? Are you doing dishes? This is something that we had mentioned before. Are you... Obviously, clearly, right now, going for a run outside. Obviously, that's what you'd be doing in this kind of <laughs> weather. Um, what is it, or maybe what you typically do when you're listening to Thy Strong Word and studying God's Word with us? It's a lot of fun to hear what people are doing because it's all gifts, still God's Word. Any guesses on what the most popular thing will be, Pastor? I
1: I don't know. I don't. That's a, I know my uh, my uh, stepdaughter exercises while she listens to the show. She's okay. probably on her stair stepper or, or her, uh, uh, you know, whatever exercise device she has, uh, her treadmill. But uh, I, I, I know people do that, especially with the podcasts of this. Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. they can't listen on live, then they're, they're probably doing something else. You're right. So good question. Right.
0: Right, it is. It'd be fascinating to find out, as we heard, got from emails from everybody, where they were listening from around the world, around the country. It's a lot of fun to also hear what you are doing at that time. So send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Uh, Pastor, we are, let's dig in, Galatians 3, 10 through 29. Uh, can you begin us in prayer this morning?
1: Oh, Lord, we, uh, I, I personally, oh, Lord, thank you uh, that you have given me this text because the whole book of Galatians is just probably the finest thing you've inspired. Uh, and this particular section has just all kinds of great words of comfort and hope for us. So we pray for your Holy Spirit because obviously we're just the angels here, the messengers. Uh, And if this is going to help people in any way, it has to be the work of your spirit. But open people's ears to hear and their hearts to believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. We are, like you said, we're basically halfway through the the the, the letter uh, to the churches in Galatia. Any in introductory, uh, like you said, this is this is a part where you know we, like I said, we kind of go from 220 and then we go to 327, 28. But in between there is so much, so many gems and so much gift. We had a great set, uh, a great show yesterday with Pastor Stecker um, from New Hampshire of all places, was was a lot of fun to have him on. And he dug so much into this understanding of sons of Abraham and and righteousness. And even after he calls them foolish Galatians, there's a lot going on. But what introductory or background uh, um, things would you like to highlight to get us started?
1: Well, well so, so the, the problem here is really very, very specific. There There's a group called the Circumcision Party that has come into Galatia. Uh, probably uh, Jewish uh, people, Jewish uh, scribes. From Jerusalem, maybe even, and they've said, you know what? This Jesus, that this Jesus—that that's a good thing. We're not, oh, of course, Jesus is good, but it's not enough. You got to be doing all these traditions and all these rituals. Uh, circumcision, primarily, if you really, truly want to be a, a son of God, like you say, that's the issue: our relationship to God. Uh, But the thing is, is you can't get uh, focused on the the specific issue because it's the broader problem that the church confronts year in and year out, that there always are people that say there has to be more than faith. Right. So, So you have legalists who actually say it's not faith at all. It's all about what you do. Uh, you have Romanists that say, well, yeah, of course it's faith, but you also have to follow the rituals and the traditions. That's part of being truly Christian. Uh, or you have the Protestants that say, well, yeah, faith, but then again, you need to be sincere. You need to make a decision. You need to turn your life <laughs> over to the Lord, whatever phrase they'll use. And and Paul in, in this book is making this beautiful, powerful argument no, it is just faith and faith alone. And this particular section you've given me is is, is I, it just tickles me, because in the last verses Paul already established. Uh, could we read the, the the verse twenty-eight, the verse before we start? Please, could please uh, you you
0: gonna read it or am I gonna read it?
1: Well, whatever. I'm trying to find it. I've got it if you want me to read it. <laughs>
0: Go ahead. Please, Bob. Oh, no,
1: Go I've got it. i got 28 in verse. <laughs> Where is it at? <laughs> All right. Here it is, verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So, uh, so Brady, that's clear enough, isn't it? Yeah, if you want to be blessed, it's not about anything you do. It's not about any emotion you have. It's not about any decision you make. It's just about having faith. But it's like Paul says, you know, i that's not enough. I've got to hit that nail one more time with this big hammer. Because now in the opening verse of our text study, he says, you know what? Not only are, are only people who have faith blessed, but, you know, people who rely on works, they're actually cursed, <laughs> cursed. Mm-hmm. right? and it goes right. from there it goes from there uh and, and really people that w- have works they're cursed but when we unpack what paul has to say that's the absolute truth if, if you think your works have anything to do with god loving you and your salvation you are cursed that's what you are you, you're not blessed you are cursed
0: I'll start with this. Uh, Pastor Lukomsky is, or Pastor John um, is. Is I don't know. I, I always I love saying Lukomsky. Am I saying it right?
1: You are saying it right. <laughs> hey, this
0: is fun. I know you because you said, "Ask call me, John." You know, implying that yeah. you can get it wrong. So, anyways, but anyway, so I was just say, Pastor, Pastor. It's. It. I'll, I'll share this: is that whenever what what Paul's goal and this is why Galatians is so important to Luther and so important to our confessions and so important to us in our preaching and understanding of things is because without this understanding of it is a, a faith on account of Christ's cross for your forgiveness that it's all on Jesus and if you start going into faith and saying well you know how do I know I have faith well or how do I get this faith? God takes it out of our hands, too. You know, he says, well, no one can save Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So it's not even our work to have faith. And so he takes all that out because if you don't have that assurance and that, that, that clear, uh, crystal clear understanding of the gospel, then you're always going to end with something like this. Well, how do you know I'm saved? Well, I hope that I've done enough. Like That's that's the clearest you can be, because you're always going to wonder if you've done enough. And here Paul saying, in verse 10, we'll get to this, is he's saying, listen, if you want to go down that road, let me tell you what that road actually is. That we have something clear, it is crystal clear, it is the gospel, and just rest in that grace. Let's get into it. Verse 10, verse 10. Paul says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. So he says these strong words. You are cursed. What is he saying here, Pastor?
1: All right, well, here's the two things you need to note about this text. Uh, The one thing I learned later in life, Brady, is that Paul is the Old Testament professor, there's nothing mm-hmm. that Paul says that doesn't have its roots in the Old Testament Scripture, and that is particularly noteworthy in what we're going to read today, because he's just quoting the Bible over and over again. And and you can understand that, because honestly, if you study the Scriptures, if you're coming from a Jewish background, you would say, well, Paul's wrong, because we got all this stuff, right? Didn't Moses give us the commandments? Didn't he say we were supposed to do all this stuff? What are you talking about, Paul? No, obviously, it can't just be faith alone. Are you not reading your Bible? And And so Paul basically comes here and says, no, you're not reading your Bible. Because if you actually read what it says, you'll understand that it always has been about faith. This isn't a new thing with Jesus. This is the thing that it's always been that way. Um, And and the second thing that I think is noteworthy here is that he says, for all who rely on works of the law— Uh, Hmm. And he does reference the book of the law, by the way, again, which is not just the Ten Commandments. We're talking about the first five books of Moses, the Torah. Um, And and the point is, is, as Paul talks in Romans and he talks about in this text, the law isn't bad. It's God's will, after all, right? This is what the Lord wants us to do. But but the problem is if you rely on that law uh, to have salvation. Uh, no, no, then you've totally missed the purpose of the law, which, again, he'll explain that in the coming verses. Uh, And, in fact, he explains right away in the next few verses why you cannot rely on the law. So did I make myself clear, Brady? You and I are not saying that people shouldn't be concerned about the commandments and the law. Yeah, if if the question is, what should I do today? How should I live my life? Yeah, that's God's will. But if the question is, how am I going to get right with God? No, 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 that was never God's intent for his commandments.
0: And that is In fact, always is diffi- everyone
1: who tries to do that. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Right, right, yeah, and that's a difficult thing because we don't want to make it sound like the law, ooh, bad. Like that gives me sad feelings, and the gospel gives me good feelings. That's kind of how we will often think about it. Um, but yeah, definitely, we look at this. There's a good distinction. CFW Walther wrote a great law gospel dynamic to this. Is understanding the law is good, but it also always accuses. And it is not going to save you, Pastor Stecker and Pastor uh, Dieterding did a great job of showing us that there's a new relationship with the law now. That it's not that the law is gone, even though Christ fulfilled it, but the law um, points us in a, a direction of of hope and salvation. Now, to get a step back a little bit when you said he's an Old Testament, you know, he's an Old Testament scholar. Uh, what he's writing here today is literally from Deuteronomy twenty-seven, twenty-six. Curse be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And then I love it if you go to Deuteronomy twenty-seven, twenty-six, and it says, you know, if you do them all and all the people shall say amen, kind of like, you know, you think, okay, we have a shot here. And that's probably what's ringing in their ears, too, is, well, oh, it sounds like if we all could say amen, we have a shot to be able to do this, which can be quite confusing. And here he's kind of saying, yeah, you know, yeah, okay, how you doing? are you, are you doing? Are you doing all the laws? <laughs> is, is this working out for you? You know, um, and, and so that's an interesting connection he makes. And there's also connections in Deuteronomy 28 speaks about do them. I mean, do it. This is what God wants you to do. So there's this constant understanding of we have to do more, and he's quoting the Old Testament to prove his point. So cursed, they are cursed if they're not doing them all, so then hopefully that brings some reflection. Thoughts here, uh, Pastor, before we move on to eleven and twelve?
1: Well, just just the word that, that you you mentioned there, and, and we, that's a powerful word. You know there, there's no medium ground here. It's not like, well, if you try hard. That's all God wants is for you to try hard. Do the best you can. No, no, no. Cursed. And it's everyone. So there's no exclusion here. No one's going to get out of this. It's everyone. And I I love that phrase, by all things written. So if you Mm. think it is just a matter of doing your best or doing better than others or getting a certain percentage, no, no. Paul makes it quite clear. And again, it's not what Paul said. I'm not teaching this. This is what you were taught. This is what you know. Mm -hmm. No. Uh, and so where, where are you left except what it says in the next verse? Well, then apparently, well, oh, well I'll read the next verse because now Paul makes an even more powerful argument.
0: All right, let's do it. Um, I'm going to go 11 and 12. 11 and 12. Good, now it good, is yeah. evident that no one is justified before God by the law. It is evident. For the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So it is obvious, evident Obvious here. What's his? What's this Be on the same page. It's evident. What is evident here?
1: So, so here's the point. Uh, and again, you got to remember, he's quoting the Old Testament. He's using the very authority that the uh, the circumcision party was using to undermine the faith of the Galatians. And, and his point is, the Bible taught all along that the way you get to be righteous before God is by. Faith, that's what it's taught. So even, let's suppose, you could do the commandments completely, totally, 100%. Even if you could do that, which, of course, as you said, no one one could do that. We can't do that. But even if you could, you still wouldn't be righteous, because that's not how God says he wants people to be righteous. And that's what the law says. The law is about doing, right? Verse 12, the law is not about faith. The one who does them, it's about doing. And Paul says, so you don't write off. It can't be the law. Because God said from the very beginning, righteousness comes by faith, not by the law, not by doing. So I just I think that's such a powerful argument, because maybe in the back of your mind, some of our listeners are think, well, you know, I think I could do a pretty good job, though, if I really tried. And, And Paul says, don't you understand that itself is sinful, that attitude, because God said from the beginning, he doesn't need people to do that. He needs he wants people to have faith, which as you pointed out, that's a gift he gives. Mm hmm.
0: And it's interesting, too. Pastor Stecker yesterday really emphasized this understanding of why are you going back? Like, why, why are you going back? I mean, you have this free gift. It's right there. You understand the righteousness of God that He gives to you. He's given it to you free. Why are you going back to ways that actually... Are not comforting. I mean, this is this doesn't make any sense. Why go back ten steps? And as Americans, we can understand this too. Why go back? I mean, come on. We always are like, let's move forward. Let's go here. Let's go there, and and this is what people do when they start, you know, start to, to relying on themselves as opposed to God. So don't go back. Live in the grace of God today. And also, again, like you said, he's an Old Testament scholar. He's uh, he's a professor. The righteous shall live by faith in Habakkuk 2, verse 4. Actually, you know what? Do I say that right? How do you say Habakkuk? Or do you say something different? That's how I say it. <laughs> okay. I, I,
1: don't <laughs> I don't know don't if know. we're saying it right. Don't ask me. Oh, I don't know how to say gosh. words right. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: That's right. The righteous shall live by faith. That's what we're going to depend on. Um, 11 and 12, anything else in there, Pastor?
1: Nope, I think that's got it.
0: All right, let's keep moving here. 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Once again, he starts quoting the Old Testament here. What is he speaking about in these verses?
1: Well, the first thing that I, I thought was interesting, and, and uh, I don't know, maybe you'll have uh, some insights. I, I think it's interesting that when he says Christ redeemed us. That word "redeemed" is not not the usual word, uh, and, and in fact, it's the word really only used in Galatians. It's it's used in a couple of other uh, uh, books, but not in the same sense as it's being used here. Uh, It's not the usual word that is used for ransom. It's not a word that's used in the Old Testament, which is really kind of striking since he's doing all this Old Testament stuff. Uh, It is a term that he uses in other letters uh, and that the, the, the basic meaning of this word is to be bought. And, and and peter talks about too mm-hmm. that we we are bought and paul talks about that we are bought but but this is this is an intensive word uh, an intensification of that word to buy to purchase and i'm not sure why he he chooses to use this rather strange word here uh we would have thought he might have used the word for for ransom um mm. The only thought that occurred to me, and Brady, maybe you've got another thought, is that he's trying to point out that that this purchase that has been made by Christ, that that it's it's absolute, it's total, it's complete. That's why he uses the intensified form of the word to buy, so that you realize absolutely, it's not like Jesus paid the down payment and you've got to pay the rest. It's not like Jesus paid most of it and you're gonna chip in the extra dollar or two for the tip, whatever. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any other ideas? why he might have chosen this very intensive word for bought?
0: You know, I never—that's i, I that's a, ver, a part of the verse I didn't focus on. I was more focused on the last part of this verse, so I really don't know. It makes sense to me what you're saying is, you know, when you buy something, you know, you don't buy it halfway. He went all the way, especially when you look at the the curse language, that he became a curse. That's how he redeemed all of this. So, yeah, I mean, you, you don't— uh, the cross was not a half um a half type of situation. He went all the way. So I, I, I see that would be a reason why he used that language. But I don't know. It might be something to uh have someone do a paper on sometime. What do you think?
1: Well I just it just I see the only reason I just happened to Oh, that's <laughs> I love that word redeemed and I'm mm-hmm. gonna look it up. Figure it'd be the word the trion for uh you know, ransom. And there's, Oh, well, it's the word for buy, but it's, but but, but I think you're, you're to something because see, what does the law do? I, I think this is interesting. It never occurred to me until you made that comment. The law curses. That's what it does. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you're going to the law, looking for blessings, well, you no, you've missed the point because the law's intent was to be a curse. Uh, and that's why what Jesus did on the cross is absolutely so crucial because now he became the curse. He took that curse of the law upon himself, completely and totally. Uh, and, and as you were talking about from previous pastors, uh, with Pastor Didiing and so forth, see that's how it changes our relationship to the law. Uh, now, now we come mm-hmm. back to the law not as something that's going to save us, but uh, seeking God's guidance and and where He would have us love the neighbor. Uh, but he uh, and and the other the other thought I, uh, that occurred to me here. Is this is this is Paul reminding us? He's not trying to antagonize people, because let's mm-hmm. face it: when he said to the Jews, "The law curses you," if you spent your whole life thinking it was all about the law, that would be pretty offensive, <laughs> you right. know. Right. Take the thing that you think is most valuable and say, "Oh, that's not that's not a, that's not a blessing. That's not a good. That's a curse." <laughs> that would probably, <laughs> but 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 here Paul is trying to say, I, "I'm not doing this because I'm trying to get people riled up." I'm not trying to offend people, but I'm just trying to help you see that there's no other way of getting through this world, this life, apart from what Jesus has done for us. Uh, And and if you don't realize that, you're headed for all kinds of pain and sorrow, and you're going to bring a lot of pain and sorrow to the people around you as well.
0: And you know, I mean, he had um, he had reputation on his side when he spoke about this because he was, you know, he was the the most um, um, faithful of Jews. That they knew him yes. as a very faithful Jew. That he knows all this. So when he says it, it definitely is something coming from someone they knew, understood. And when he says it, it's not like. It's us versus them or me versus you or I'm better than you kind of language. But he knew, he knew how this worked and he used their language. I remember reading Deuteronomy during seminary and just kind of just reading through it. And I remember reading uh, this part where it says, curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second here. Jesus was hanging on a tree, you know, Um, and in Deuteronomy 21, 22 and 23, for a hanged man is cursed by God. And it just just he uses that language to show them there had to been that moment. Ding, ding, ding. Wait. That was from the Old Testament. I remember this. And this is that this guy became cursed. And now he's saying the curse is for me. So he's calling me cursed. But we have a God that's been cursed for me. And that's something that really brings into this. And I want to get to this in the other end of our break here, Pastor, is the blessing of Abraham. He connects Jesus and Abraham, how they're together, all those kind of things. But right now, we need to take a break. So we'll be right back. We are studying Galatians chapter 3 pa- with Pastor Lekomsky. Um Stick around. Uh-huh. USA is the third largest mission field in the world and church planning is one of the most effective means of making new disciples, new missions to new people and new places. Get ready to plow the fields. Check out the Mission Field USA podcast produced by the LCMS Office of National Mission. You can find it at kfuo.org or anywhere you get your podcasts.
1: Here is what our listeners are saying about KFUO Radio.
0: KFUO has been a part of the family, in a sense, for many, many, many years. We stayed home and
1: listened to KFUO, and we loved doing that. Really appreciate all the work that goes into everything that you do here. For so many people to be able to hear the gospel, what a blessing that is. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO.
0: And welcome back. We're studying Galatians chapter 3 with Pastor John Lukomsky. And we are just getting to the point where the righteous shall live by faith. But faith in what Obviously, it's Christ who was hanged on a tree and he was cursed as we are cursed by the law, but we are therefore redeemed by Christ and him crucified. Here it says, Pastor uh, Lukomsky, is so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. What is the blessing of Abraham?
1: Well, the blessing of abraham is is uh uh, well actually it's primarily jesus christ isn't it so christ is the blessing (laughs) and he is the fulfillment of that blessing as well Uh, as paul gets at as you read the next verses you know what what was this all about what was god promising uh to to abraham um i I want to go back real quick if i couldn't though uh to what you said before we took the break because it you just got me thinking uh, these people of the circumcision party—these people that were coming to say, "Oh, you got to do all of these Jewish rituals"—I uh, I had not thought about it before. But Paul identifies with them. You're, you're absolutely right. That's where Paul was. That's how he started off. And, and I think there's—I think there is kind of a tenderness in here, even as there's a really very strictness too. Uh, and I think you're right. That's what he's saying. He says, I've been there, gentlemen. I've done that. You know that. You know that I was Jew amongst Jews. And I'm telling you now, that was a curse. That was not a blessing. And now I'm inviting you to open up your your hearts and see what was in the Scripture. And so you're right. So he quotes this passage about one being hung on a tree. And if you're a Jew, you know that passage. And you think, well, that's kind of strange. But yeah, I guess they are, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden you think, oh, wait a second. Uh we did this to this guy named Jesus. We, we may have been amongst the people who nailed him to the cross, and now we're beginning to see he was doing that for us because that's the key thing, you're right. It is the for us And that, of course, is the key thing here about the blessing of Abraham, that it's no longer just the blessing of Abraham. But it was always meant to be the blessing of the Jews. And now it's also going to be the blessing of the Gentiles, too. And that's what you need to understand. It never was a conditional thing. It wasn't a conditional thing for Jews either. It wasn't like God was saying, well, when you do all these commandments, then maybe I'll bless you. But it was, no, no, you are the children of Abraham. And I just want to bless you because you're my children. And that's how it is with parents. Uh, We want our kids to do good, that's true, but we don't love our kids because they do good. In fact, we love our kids despite (laughs) the fact they don't always do good.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. As, you know, it goes to Hebrews 11, where the blessing of Abraham, or Abraham is not a guy who was separate and was just trying to do all these works all the time, but he was a man of faith faith in the Messiah. So when they use that example, people perk their ears up, like, whoa, wait a second here. How is this Jesus and Abraham connected? It's connected by faith once again. Let's move on to verse 15.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, we oh, got to no. do one more word from this, because oh, it's the now. word he uses over and over again in this this <laughs> section. It's the word promised, that we might receive the promised Mm. And, and, and I'm not sure whether spirit is objective or subjective. I'm not sure if the spirit is the one that gives the promise or the spirit is part of the promise. But but the key word there is promise, because that actually is, is the word uh, 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 agelion, from which we get mm-hmm. the word angel, which means message. Yeah. Uh, but it has this uh, uh, preface to it. Let me see what's the preface there. It's epa, Uh which, by the way, is, is also where the word gospel comes from. The gospel is also, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's good Mm -hmm. message, but here, here the idea is, it's a promise God made this to you. But, but here's why this is so crucial to you and me. It's not about that we feel good about God. See, that's what people think faith is. Oh yeah, yeah. I know Mm. God's a good guy. I feel good. No, no, no. That's not what faith is. Faith is God told you something, and He is faithful, and if He makes a promise, He always keeps the promise, and that's what faith is about. Because sometimes I don't trust God. Sometimes he does things that I think are just downright crazy. i got things going on in my family right now that I'm thinking, how could a loving God be doing those things? But see, that's what faith is. It's the fact that there is an Agelion, a promise. God has said something, and, and, and he's going to do that. He's going to do that, regardless of how I might feel about it, whatever he says he's going to do. And you'll notice that it's interesting. Paul doesn't use the word uh, like I said, gospel good news, but he constantly uses this word promised throughout this text, he'll use it over and over again.
0: Absolutely, right, now, you can go on. <laughs> now we can move on. Now we can move on. As you said, faith is not a feeling, faith is in a promise. This is really good stuff. Let's move on because now it gets to law and the promise. Let's do 15 through 18. We'll keep plowing through. We have quite a few verses to get through here. To give a human example, brothers, even a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God. So, as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. So, he begins verse 15 with a human example of a covenant that you have a covenant that comes together and, 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 and kind of like a last will and testament that, in a human sense, you make that. And once you make that covenant, you don't add to it, you don't take away from it. And then he speaks about the promise and the covenant that our Lord made with us, that as a human doesn't change it, guess what? Neither does God. What other thoughts do we have in this, uh, uh, these uh, four verses?
1: So here, here's what I think is the cool thing. And again, it, Paul is just doing everything right out of the Old Testament. So if you were a Jew and you were reading the Old Testament and it says, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, you would say, well, oh, that's me. I'm the offspring, obviously, right? I, I'm the Jewish person. I'm following all the rituals and all the traditions. Yeah, so that's talking about me. I'm the offspring. Well, Paul makes two points. He says, first of all, you will notice it's not in the plural. So he's not talking about a bunch of people, he's talking about one single individual. And I went back and checked it out, Brady, and by God, Paul is right. <laughs> You know that's actually <laughs> that's it is in the singular. And that never bothered me, you know, but but Paul says it should bother you because obviously he's not talking about all, he's not even talking about us as Christians in a sense. He's talking about one particular descendant of Abraham. That would be the blessing. That was the source. You asked what was the blessing of Abraham? Well, Paul says, this is the blessing of Abraham. It is Jesus Christ. that's what he says He's referring to one who is Christ. And he said, Since that was the deal from the beginning, that there would be this offspring, the law can't change that, right? If if 450 years Mm -hmm. later, God gives us some other stuff, that didn't change the original promise. In fact, as Paul already illustrated, the law never was a promise, I know, except a curse yeah that was the promise of the law was a curse (laughs) but if you're looking for the promise of blessing it always was from abraham and it always was an offspring of abraham and and yeah so i think that's the point he's given but god gave it to abraham by a promise see and that's how it's always been and did you see how he used that word promise over and over and over again yeah
0: and that and that's it brings us back to Galatians two when it talks about the law was never the promise, you know, that if you if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Yeah. And this is a you know really, really important distinction for us is to remember that the promise is what Christ died to give you. So don't don't try to like add to this, you know, well, you gotta be circumcised in order to have this promise. Right? Wait, no, that's not a promise at all. That's a that's a that's a, what do you call it? To, um, you're, you're just trying to make a deal here. That's not a promise. That's a deal. I, you know, Christ has made the promise. He's done all the work for us. Don't try to add to that. Um, and that's a huge part. And it's good for us to remember this because it's so easy, so quickly that we will start adding to the gospel. And we'll do something along these lines where we'll say, well, yeah, the, the gospel's good, but l- let's talk about something else for a while. And you're like, okay, well, why why do you want to talk about something else? You're acting like it's so simple or nothing when it is absolutely everything. Are the thoughts on these verses, Pastor?
1: Well, well, let me just say, I I want to bring this down to a personal level for all of our listeners, because what we're talking about is not theology here. We're talking about reality, because the fact of the matter is, every one of us is constantly adding something to faith, constantly in our mind and in Mm. our thoughts thinking, well, uh, that that's true, but there's got to. Uh, so we've got some things going on in my family right now, and of course, what your mind does is say, "Oh, well, maybe you need to do this, or or you better do that if you want things to get better." And and we're constantly going through the list of things that we need to do, uh, and, and don't you see? That's exactly what Paul is warning us against here. The the only thing you can do in the face of trials is just go back and say, "Okay, what has God said to me? What promises has he made?" All right. I know that's how it's going to be, even though I cannot see that here. Now, now, of course, then we might also say, how can I show love in this given circumstance? How can I be helpful to the people maybe that I'm concerned about? Yeah, that's a valid question, but not in the sense that if I don't do that, oh, who knows what will happen? No, that's, that's the curse of the law. And, and Paul is just trying to say to all of our listeners right now, look, it's all done by Jesus Christ. There's absolutely nothing you have to do to get everything in this world to work out for good. Now, there are things you need to do to love and care. But as far as things working out for good, as far as salvation for you and for your, your loved ones is concerned, no, no. That's all about a promise that God made to Abraham a long, long time ago. And since then, that promise always will remain for everyone, uh, no matter who, Gentile, Jew. Well, I'm jumping the gun because we got male, female, all that yeah, stuff. At the, end you're, ready of the text, you're ready to yeah, go. You're ready to go
0: yeah and i and I appreciate how you're making that um reality connection here uh it reminds me a little bit, and of course, I'm studying this uh, for our Sunday morning Bible study is first Samuel, and we're going through the life of david and it's it's quite fascinating because when in 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 first samuel twenty two I believe it is is when he goes to the cave and he goes to this cave and he's with four hundred family and friends. <laughs> and you're kind of like, this would not be a great situation to be in. Um, but he's running from Saul. Uh, there's there's death knocking on his door. And then we have a glimpse of what they did in this cave. And it reminds me of there's times where we just need to be able to, uh, to rest in his grace. And like you said, you got to do certain things, but we need to rest in this grace. Because when they're in the cave, he says, be merciful to me, oh God, be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge, and in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. And that's what Paul is encouraging them to do, to take refuge like a little chick who's covered up by their mother hen. Take refuge in this reality that you don't have to add to it. Don't go back. The promise is yours. Last thoughts before we move on
1: well just see and, and and of course what what I'm thinking now myself though I'm thinking well yeah that's all true I understand what you're saying uh pastor finner and that I I just need to trust in the lord but uh, god I just can't do that and and the answer to that would be well, don't worry about it, because <laughs> you're, now you're adding something again, Martin. You're adding something exactly. again. No, no, just you exactly. got the promises, just let God do his thing, okay? And so if, if you've got anxiety, it's still not going to change the promises of God. That's, that's the beautiful comfort we have.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's move on. It gets even better as we go, even better as we go. Verses 19, um, we'll go through 19 through 20. Why then the law? It's a good question. It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. These verses are kind of unique here. I have to admit there's a reason why many times people go to 27, 28, and 29 is because some of these are like, what? But he brings into question, why then the law? Uh, it was added. I thought the did. What's going on here? I thought this was on our heart. What What is he saying about the law and how this is all connected?
1: All right. Let's do the easy part, and then okay. then we'll <laughs> wrestle with the tough part. Because the easy part is he's simply saying what he said in Romans seven verse seven. What then mm-hmm. shall we say that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin for I would have not known what it was to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. So that's what he's saying when it says was added because of the transgressions. Here's how corrupt we are. We don't even know we're sinning. (laughs) In fact, Mm. I guess you could say, we thought we were doing really good things by keeping the law. But of course, because we were relying on the law, That was a curse. That was not a good thing. So that's why we have the law, uh, as Paul says elsewhere, to make us conscious of our sins. That's what the law does. Uh, But now here's the tough part. What is this business about it being put in place through angels by an intermediary? And an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Now, I've got the answer because I read Luther. <laughs> I didn't have the answer. I read that and said, huh? Well, okay, let's skip over that. <laughs> but luther, Luther's luther got a great answer in his, his second commentary on Galatians. Luther doesn't even get it right in the first commentary. <laughs> so so I don't know. Did you have any insights about that, Brady? Or
0: I, you know, I... I'm going to let Luther speak here because I did find a few things but I'm going to, was not from Luther so you you begin with Luther and see if it correlates. All
1: right and let's admit this is one of those tough passages. So who mm-hmm. who knows that but but I thought Luther's answer was 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 really neat cuz he points out again the see the English is is distracting when it says angels cuz the word again is that angelion from which promise comes from which gospel comes. Mm. Uh, and it simply means a messenger. So so Luther says, it's like Paul's all of a sudden thinks of something in the middle of his his discussion. He says, "Oh, oh, well, I have another illustration of why the law isn't as good as the gospel. for 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 the thing is, you got the law through an intermediary. In fact, remember, remember, guys, you didn't even want to talk to God when he came down on Mount Sinai. You said, oh, no, 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 you you go talk to him, Moses. We don't want to have anything to do with him. And so what <laughs> you got in the law, it was it came through an intermediary. It came through, through Moses. But what you're getting through the gospel, that comes to you directly from God. That was God himself coming, looking you in the eye and saying, as he says in the Lord's Supper, this is my body given for you. This is my body blood shed for you that that's but then of course we'd say well wait a second though isn't Jesus an intermediary in fact the Bible calls him an intermediary but Paul says but remember that God is one (laughs) so yeah you're right you can call Jesus an intermediary but you probably should remember he is God so therefore when Jesus talks to you there is no intermediary it's the Lord God himself telling you how it is so that was Luther's explanation. I thought that's pretty clever. So, <laughs> pretty cool.
0: <laughs> Write that down, folks. Luther was clever. That's, uh, he figured that out. <laughs> no, it, it is, it is, it is a difficult thing. I heard someone talk about, um, that in Deuteronomy 33 that these 10,000 holy ones brought the law, you know, um, uh, The flaming fire at his right hand, that the law came through intermediaries, but the promise comes straight from God, was another explanation that was given. Which I was like, okay, I I get that. I like what Luther has to say here, because it's a little more not, uh, you know, here's the right answer. It's a little more of an understanding of of who Christ is and how he gives his gifts. So um, I think we're going to have to leave that to understanding, um, leave that to Holy Spirit and Lord help us understand. Last thoughts? Could
1: could I, could I say one last thing about that? Because this is what, what Lutherans do really, really good. So, so you know, you're going to go to church. Yeah, you, you all should go to church or, or watch on TV or whatever you're doing. Uh, and the pastor in uh, the Lutheran church, at least, is going to stand up and say, your sins are forgiven. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and in a very real sense, you should not hear that as the words of an intermediary, uh, which is to say, not the words right. of somebody trying to give you an opinion on what he thinks is being said but but uh, the the small catechism is really clear no you got to hear those as the words of jesus christ this is how it is if jesus were there this is exactly what he would say to you and you know what in a very real sense he is there that's what i love about the lord's supper because as a pastor mm-hmm. i'm not really saying anything i'm just quoting jesus and I think that's right. tremendous for Jesus to say, hey, this is for you. And and I appreciate it earlier, Brady, because because that was the thing earlier, too. That's the key thing. Uh, it's the redemption for us. Paul really mm. emphasizes that. Yeah. Okay.
0: Very good. Well, let's do this. Let's keep plowing along. We got about eight minutes here to get through the rest. And so let's do it. I read 21 through 25. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Oh, there it is. We'll start there. We are no longer under a guardian. Okay, there could be quite a bit we could do there, just a few minutes. What what are your thoughts here?
1: All right, so so just two things real quickly. This this whole language of being captive and being imprisoned. Uh, Mm -hmm. All of that. Uh, If if anyone's out there ever really tried to do what the law tells in its completeness and fullness, you know exactly what that feeling is. I I don't want to be angry at people, but but I am. I don't want to lust, but I do. Uh, it really does feel like an imprisonment, and that's what the law does. That's what Paul was saying. The more you study the law, the more you realize there's something in you that you just don't have any control. I know I'm supposed to trust God, but I don't, <laughs> okay? I don't. Mm-hmm. And that's what the law does. But I really—don't you love this term guardian? Because uh, mm-hmm. it kind of changes the image a little bit. Uh, the word there is a pedagogus, py- pedagogus. Uh, um, let me just read you a, a quote from the dictionary. This is actually, I think, they're quoting Clement, uh, the Church Father Clement. Uh, it says, um, "Usually, pitegagai, which is what's used here, this this guardian. They were slaves, foreigners, or invalids, incapable of performing other work. Brutal and often drunk, they were not sparing with blows. And when the children." in whom they inspired fear, became adolescents, they saw their oversight as a form of tyranny, such as the classic portrait of the Pythagogus. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh so I think, well, yeah, really, I guess that is kind of how the law is, isn't it? <laughs>
0: right. It's
1: that thing that keeps whipping you and telling you you're wrong and you need to do better. I thought, perfect description. Paul knew exactly what he was doing when he says the law is a guardian. But, but it is interesting that the the guardian is never the teacher he's never the mm-hmm. one that gives you the truth. Well, I guess he does give you the truth about how sinful you are uh, right. but I thought that's a really spectacular image that Paul uses there um.
0: And to use that, yeah, that, that's a great quote of understanding of what the law does do to us. And it's not something where we would say as Christians, no, don't ever go back to the law as if like, that's bad, just stay away from it. Well, we want to stay yeah. away from it because then it reminds us what we did wrong. Like you said, first commandment, you know, if you're loving and trust and so many other things, just if you're going to tell me, you know, write, don't write it in red ink, put it in blue ink. So it just doesn't hurt quite so much. Um, but now he's telling them, you are no longer under that guardian, you're no longer imprisoned by this, you are, there is something more and this leads us to something even greater. And that's one of the the, the focus that we have here in these last number of verses. But any last thoughts as we hopefully move beyond, um, or move, uh, like not beyond the law, how do we say it? Is that the right way to say it? I think I can. Beyond the law, I think, I think law. we do.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, it, and and I, I think the fact that the Pythagogus here, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that he was always, he wasn't part of the family. He, he was always a slave. And I think that's the other reason Paul uses that term here, because now Paul's going to say, you, you, why would you want to go back to that? Because during that time period, you were a slave too, right? Because here was a slave telling you as a child what you need to do right? And right. now, no, now—it's no, not different. Now we're not slaves, and we're not enslaved to anyone. Now we're going to have a totally different relationship, and that's, of course, what he talks about in these concluding verses.
0: All right, let's get to it. We have a few minutes left here. For in Christ, Verse 26, "'For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male nor female.'" For you're all one in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Powerful words um, that goes throughout all of this. You know, you're beyond the guardianship. Now you are sons. How do you become sons? Baptized. When you're baptized, you put on Jesus. What else do you got here, Pastor?
1: Well, yeah, and uh, and 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 Paul, you know, Paul gets so wrapped up in the gospel, and it becomes so powerful for him. He has this, these these powerful hyperboles. Of course there's a difference between Jew and Greek. Of course there's a difference between slave or free. Of course there's a difference between male and female. Thank God for that. (laughs) But Paul says, no, no, in in Christ, none of those, in terms of our righteousness and the the love of God and salvation and forgiveness and eternity, no, those things make absolutely no difference. because what we all have in common, whatever our worldly situation may be, is that we're all children. We're all children of God through Jesus Christ. And, and like you said, it's uh, Brady, how can we help people understand? It really is that simple. God mm-hmm. made a promise that anyone who's baptized, his sins are forgiven. He has the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has a transformed spirit. Uh, his sins are washed away. I mean, the promises just go one right after the other. So you want to know that God loves you. Quit worrying about what you're doing. Quit worrying about what you're feeling. Ask yourself, have I been baptized? And if I haven't, boy, I want to do that as soon as I can. Uh, but but just go back to those promises, because that's the only that's the only thing that we need are the promises of God. It and reminds then we'll be me Abraham. of— Oh, it just occurred to me. Now we are the offspring of Abraham, aren't you?
0: That's right. That's right. See, By faith and the promise. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before
1: it was Jesus, he was the offspring, but now through Jesus and through that faith, we are offspring as well. Air. It reminds me, of of, reminds
0: me of the uh, the baptismal hymn, "God's Own Child." I gladly say it. I am ah. baptized into Christ, <laughs> and and that's something we sing every year for my kids' uh, baptismal birthday, which is a lot of fun. Of course, as they get older, they don't want to quite sing with me anymore, but that's another story. <laughs> so here we are, um, one in Christ, and what one thing that it really does is it first of all points us to one another and says we are together. This is good for us as a church. When we gather, personalities are different, male and female different, slave and free. Everyone comes from different parts and different lands. We come together and we are able to say we are one because we are one in Christ. Pastor, we have about a minute left here, a little bit less than a minute. Last thoughts, um, word or sentence you want to sum this up?
1: So so here's what I just discovered. This just happened right now. So when he says, then you are Abram's offspring, I would think he would use the plural, right? But it's Mm -hmm. still the singular. It's still Abraham's singular. Ah. But but don't you see how great that is? Because this is what Paul is saying. If it was only you, if you were the only person, everything that Jesus did, he would have done. Mm Because the whole thing was about you personally. Of course, it's about everybody, male and female. We're not denying that. Heirs is in the plural. But it's neat to think that Jesus died specifically for you.
0: Pastor John Lukomsky is co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFuo, helping us today with Galatians chapter three. So much to get through, but I think we did a great job pointing us to Christ. Pastor Lukomsky, thank you for being our guest.
1: Thank you, Brady.
0: Saints of our Lord, you are heirs of the promise. It is singular. We are all together grafted into Christ as Abraham's offspring, sons of God. And Christ has put on Christ has been put on you. As baptized, you are all one, Jew or Greek, male or female, Minnesotan or Illinois or St. Louis, wherever you may be, slave or free, we are together. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finner of Messiah Lutheran Church. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.